Welcome back to The Grant Rant. Uh, this is a monthly, although we have uh, been on a bit of a hiatus, but it's a monthly podcast from Hanover Research where we talk all things grants. Uh, my name is Mallory Waters. It's great to be back. Um, and I'm joined uh, by my co-hosts, uh, Katie Bristow. Hey, Katie. Hey, Mallory. It's so good to be back. I've missed y'all. I know, I know. And Tom Kuhn. Hey, Tom. Hey, Mallory. Hey, Katie. A pleasure to join you again. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we've had a little bit of a hiatus, but we're back today to talk about uh, large scale proposal work. Um, Tom, you just did a webinar recently on this topic, correct? Katie and I together did. Yes. That's okay. right. G- great. Um, so we get questions about this a lot. I want to just jump right into it. Um, and we'll start off by just asking you both. Do you like working on large scale proposals <laughs> or not? <laughs> loaded, loaded. Mm, how do I answer that? I mean, they're complex, right? And so, you know, like, I think from my perspective, the they're typically tackling really gnarly challenges, which is always interesting, right? And it's so cool to see the resources, the thought that our clients put behind those large center type proposals, right? Um, but also because they're so large, they're so hard to manage, um, you know, and I don't mean just for us, I mean, for the PIs leading them, right? Um, so there's just so many balls in the air. There's so many things to get right. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a heavy lift, but it's when it works, it's so incredibly cool to see what that collaborative team science effort can pull off. So um that that's my thought. They're 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 wicked, but they're also <laughs> they're worth it uh, if it works right. But it takes a lot of work. Yeah, Tom, indeed. What about you? Yeah, I was just gonna say no. I love them for all the same reasons. I would reverse engineer them and say I love hearing the win the most. I mean, sometimes when you hear these centers uh, are successfully funded, wow, what they're going to do is pretty impressive. But like Katie was saying, you know, they're big beasts. It's really fun to see faculty, uh, individual PIs and teams move in this direction with their students, with their colleagues, with their university. And it's also really interesting to to see them, as Katie mentioned, tackle really big problems, problems that are beyond the purview of smaller teams and, and really trying to get after the big social issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's back up for one second, Tom. I'm wondering if maybe you could give us a quick, you know, five seconds, well, maybe not five seconds, maybe 15 second <laughs> overview of what the key differences are between a regular PI led grant proposal. So something that we would see to, for instance, NIH R01 mm-hmm. um, versus what we would consider a center proposal. So what are the key differences there? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the big differences are that the PI and the team are starting to look after bigger, broader issues, right? They're trying to tackle multifactorial problems um, that require multifactorial solutions. So there's a lot of complexity in designing these. Uh, And it's fascinating to watch as, uh, you know, large scale proposals are really different than, than individual driven proposals in the sense that they require a lot of perspective and expertise to bear down on very complex 
projects. And so while individual and small group faculty may be moving in the direction that's needed, preliminary evidence, the basis for support, it's really in the center-based initiative that they are able to activate and work on those complex issues uh, from multiple perspectives. And that's the real difference is that it takes a team to drive them and a team to deliver them versus things that can be done by smaller groups and even individuals. And a lot of it is really about the complexity of the topic and, and the expectations for the funders that, you know, that, that given the complexity, large scale approaches are the only really way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I always think of center proposals too, in terms of, um, so even with a center proposal, there's going to be a lead PI or there's going to be um, a group of lead PIs. Um, and so when I think of center proposals, you I always encourage faculty to think about where they are within their career. Um, so you yeah. know, I think one of the things that we see often is we see faculty members who are maybe not as experienced as they need to be to successfully lead one of these center initiatives. Um, so when I think about, you know, the career path of the average uh, faculty member, you're starting out early career, you're doing those pilot studies, and you're moving on into the independent awards. And then when you're in your later career, that's when you have the track record ready to to, um, you know, serve in sort of this uh, center level PI role. Um, that's not to say that early career can't participate. Um, so maybe let's like take a take a moment there, Tom, and kind of share about, you know, early career faculty can participate in the center efforts, but they shouldn't be the lead PI, correct? And, and, and kind of what is the benefit of having early career faculty be a part of the overall um, center grant proposal? Yeah, that's a good question and, and kind of uh, uh, deep. It's uh, There's a lot of components related to this. But in general, you're right. I mean, early stage faculty, they just don't have the network or the, con- the, the portfolio of contributions, publications, etc., yet to lead one of these. And it takes some time to really establish that leadership component before you try to, you know, really get in the front of one of these center-based proposals. That being said, they are kind of all ships rise with the tide mentality. And so a center-based proposal, though led by a more seasoned uh, faculty member in the PI or co-PI roles, um, it's critically important to include as as many uh, various contributors, individual and small teams as possible. That includes students. So the idea behind a center-based grant is that it's all inclusive and comprehensive as needed to really move the needle on on the problem. And so there's a lot of opportunity for junior faculty, postdocs, even undergraduate students to play a significant role in these efforts and to individually and collectively benefit from their, their work on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said earlier, that the bringing in of diverse perspectives is such an important component of these center grants, right? And so bringing in faculty members who might be at slightly different kind of career points, you know, potentially could be a strength and bringing in those students yeah. could be a strength. It's just all about framing it and making sure that whoever is kind of steering the ship, right, has the appropriate expertise, the appropriate kind of credentials with that particular funding agency to be the 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 captain of that. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can carry that analogy on, but, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> to lead that. Okay, I have to stop you right here. Did you say the bringing in of diapers? Diverse perspectives. Okay, I thought you said the bringing in of diapers, and I thought you were, I thought you were referring to early career faculty as babies. And I was uh-huh. like, I have never, I was like, I have never heard this before. Okay, all right, yeah. glad okay. I clarified Horrible that. Burn. Different, different <laughs> rant, different rant. 
I was just like, oh my gosh. I was just like, oh my gosh, I have never heard of that before. Um, no, no, no. I love, okay. I love the early career faculty. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And I was thinking, I wasn't thinking of, of it as a derogatory term, but more as like, you know, they're like fresh babies coming to yeah. the research. Uh, but still, but still, okay. Um, so everyone, Katie, I kind of, everyone can wear diapers at every age, Mallory. Oh my. Okay. All right. Well, this is going off the rails very quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you said more comedy. um katie i want to um backtrack a little bit and get your perspective because you uh, like me are a project manager and that's kind of the role that you serve here at hanover um so let's talk um i'd like to get your perspective first because let's start with the good what is the ideal timeline for working on a center proposal and let's just think of it as something like an nsf um, engineering research centers or something of that scale um so you know Obviously, we tell indi- you know independent faculty members who are going after you know NIH R01 to have you know four to six months worth of prep time. Let's talk about now we have a center proposal with multiple institutions, perhaps multiple faculty members. Um, let's start there and just kind of get into the weeds about what's good and what yeah. and what can go bad with these projects. All right, all right. I mean, frankly, <laughs> frankly, if you've got less than six months, it's going to be disastrous. I think for a center, you need minimum six, ideally maybe more like eight months, possibly even as much as a year. I think it's going to depend a lot on the particular program you're targeting. Um, It's going to depend on how many, you know, so a lot of these center type grants will have like multiple research components and that number of research components might vary. And then you'll have some sort of overall or admin or some kind of, you know, central component to bridge the lot. Um, so it depends a little bit on the number of cores that you have. Um, it depends uh, on how many PIs are involved. You might be soliciting um, content from anywhere from six to 12 different investigators, um, depending on how this is structured and who is taking um authorship of different sections. So, you know, you need to factor in not just the time it would take you to write it if you were writing it all by yourself, but the time to solicit content from people, revise that content, put it into a single voice, share it back with the folks who are involved in this, your collaborators, and make sure that they're happy with those edits, right? And that process, that feedback Um, And consensus process can take a very long time, even aside from the, you know, research itself, which might need refining. And maybe there are institutional structural things you need to factor in. Maybe you need to negotiate some things with your provost or your president about like what sort of, um, I don't know, equipment this center is going to be using, or maybe faculty release time for people participating in the center, depending on what, you know, what else is involved. Um, It's not a simple undertaking. So I would say, really, I'd say you need about eight months to do it without being frantic. Um, Yeah, 12 months is probably more comfortable. Yeah. So I just worked um, with a client on a CTSA proposal, and it took a full 12 months. And it was a busy 12 months, too. So I think, um, you know, that kind of perspective is really helpful. Um, I also think that when we're, you know, talking about center proposals, the manage like the project management is so important and so critical. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a 
at least one person that is kind of in charge of um, working to schedule the meetings, put together timelines with milestones, make sure that folks are following up and hitting those milestones. There are just so many different moving pieces and so many different personalities. I feel like we don't necessarily yeah. talk about that as much, but there's a lot of and you have this many faculty members participating and they're, you know, putting together different pieces of the application, not only are you going to get different writing styles, but you're going to get different personalities and different working styles. Um, and so there's a lot of things that can go off the rails. And so having that kind of critical, strong project management component and having that set up at the start is just so imperative for um, success. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Personalities is such a huge consideration. And I think people so often overlook that, but like these are large groups and not everybody works well in a group. Um, and, you know, there's going to be some personality work, right? You know, so whoever is that central coordinator or manager, whether it's the PI or um, someone working closely with the PI, um, you you want to make sure that that central coordinator is someone who's really good at working with people uh, with all kinds of personalities, right? Um, that they can kind of um, get what they need from people without rocking um, the boat or upsetting egos. Um, I'm being so delicate in my phrasing here, but, you know, they need to be someone that can <laughs> manage those difficult personalities if you have some difficult personalities in your team. I mean, you already called them babies and diapers earlier, so... <laughs> I, I did not! <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Oh my god! Yeah, no, that is that is absolutely true. The difficult personalities uh, can come through. Um, I also think one of my biggest nightmares just on regular proposals, um, but it's exacerbated a thousand times on center proposals because there are so many different pieces. Is version control? Um, does anybody, oh Katie boy. or Tom, do you have do you have any horror stories when it comes to version control? I have one, but I will but I will save it uh, for after your I stories. I have a specific horror story, just a chronic level of anxiety about version control. Tom, do you? Yeah, anxiety itself sounds like some kind of horror story, but. Yeah, I would say that the worst cases I see, you're right, Mallory, version control is critical. And some people like to work in shared documents, which have its own challenges. Some people like to pass around Word documents, which have its own challenges. But you've got to nail that because it is it is critically uh, challenging. It can be very difficult from a project management perspective. And really good content can be lost, which can have impacts on the proposal and on, uh, and on the, how the team gels, like you guys are mentioning. Yeah, my worst story has to do with um, there was one particular faculty member on a large center proposal um, who would <laughs> print off the draft and then handwrite their feedback on it and then oh, scan it oh, and send it as a PDF. <laughs> Um, so that was challenging because those because those edits that had to be transcribed and it's hard to catch formatting. But I think, you know, to Tom and to Katie's point, nailing that process down at the beginning, getting everyone to agree upon what that process is going to be is going to save you so much headache <laughs> later when you're trying to reconcile changes. I think it's, you know, it's just really yeah. critical. Um, so the center proposals massive undertaking, uh, but also potential massive jackpot at the end when we think about, you know, the kind of resources and infrastructure that uh, a center proposal can bring uh, to an institution. Um, 
that being said, it's, you know, just like any other grant, it's rare to be funded on the first uh, try. So Tom, from your perspective, you know, when we're thinking about um, a resubmission, what are the what are the critical things that a team should be looking for in the feedback that they get that, you know, kind of tells them, um, you know, whether or not they were in the right place, whether or not they should resubmit and kind of how does the resubmission process differ or what does that look like in terms of, um, you know, motivating the team? And Katie, this can also be a question for you too. motivating the team to want to attempt a resubmission after they've already spent so much time and so many resources putting together the first application. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, there's the good news is that they've completed a significant lift and submitted the proposal. If they weren't funded, presumably they're getting back feedback. Hopefully it was reviewed by the panel and that feedback is not only helpful, but but is encouraging. I'll let Katie speak to some of that. But the idea um, of a resubmission on a large center proposal is somewhat similar to others. We, we get the feedback. You notice there's no fatal flaws. A lot of the critiques hopefully are about what was in the proposal and how the proposal presented the project. Maybe some of that was missing or it wasn't clear enough, et cetera. So as long as they're not significant fatal flaws, um, the return of good feedback really positions the team to leverage that feedback and really understand how to improve the project. As we know, there's much higher rates of success with resubmissions than in the first submit. And so uh, it can be very positive. We still encourage you connecting, reconnecting with your program officer, gaining those insights, making sure that you've got, you know, the right alignment and approach. But um, yeah, a resubmission on a large scale proposal can give the team a lot of advantages. Yeah, I'd, I'd say complete agreement with Tom. I, I think my stance on resubmission of centers is pretty much the same as my stance on resubmission for individual research proposals, which is, you know, like if the panel feedback, you know, assuming you went to panel, right? Uh, if the panel feedback doesn't indicate a fundamental flaw in the concept itself, right? Like that's something that you need to kind of go back to square one. But otherwise, if it's just a matter of kind of fixing or explaining more clearly, or maybe adding in some more structure that wasn't evident in the previous proposal or things like that. Those are fixable things. If you have fixable flaws in your feedback, um, I'd say it's a waste of effort not to resubmit, really, because you spent so much time putting together the first one. And the, the you know, no one should expect to get funded on the first submission, whether it's a research proposal or a center or a grant. Like, you know, it's just so exceedingly unlikely. If you're one of the lucky few congratulations, well done, you know, but I think most people, it's the second, third, sometimes fourth submission, right? So it's just a matter of kind of taking that effort, um, refining it and resubmitting it, you know, otherwise all those hundreds of hours you devoted to that first proposal are lost. So why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. And also reconciling the resubmission process, whether that's the first or second resubmission with the, with your institution's strategic plan. So, you know, a lot of times these center proposals are, you know, critical elements and kind of critical components of fulfilling the institution's strategic plan, um, and kind of bolstering a certain area of, you know, research. So that's also something that, you know, you need to keep in mind. Um, We've only got a couple minutes left. I want to talk about experiences and places where we see these proposals go off the rails the most. Um, so, you know, in an ideal world, everything moves smoothly. We have a nice, you know, uh, project management plan. We have a communication plan. We have deadlines. We have milestones. We have version control. Everyone's cooperating and playing nice. Everyone's sharing the toys in the, in the sandbox. That rarely happens. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about where 
where we see proposals of this scale kind of go off the rails. I'll share a quick story before I turn it over uh, to you both. But um, I worked with uh, a team, this was several years ago now, and the main PI, um, their process was to, on the day of submission, they would upload the the actual proposal, but then they would continue to make changes and then re-upload. Um, so this happened multiple iterations up until the actual deadline. Um, and so that's kind of a horror story when it comes to version control. Um, and what actually happened was they moved um, something into a different section. And so it was out of the order that was prescribed by the agency and oh. the agency didn't like that. Um, so that's just one very microcosm example of how things can go off the rails when you have someone go rogue. Uh, but Katie, Tom, I'm really interested to hear from you what kind of what your experiences are with, you know, where we see these, you know, where we see these proposals um, run into big issues and, you know, strategies to mitigate those. Gosh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot of the kind of like failure points already, right? Like, version control is a big one. I, my, this might be a controversial opinion, but I am not in favor of shared docs for drafting major documents like this, because I think if everyone has edit access, it's chaos. Um, I am a big fan of saving individual attachments, saving individual files and sending them as attachments, right? And having someone who's kind of the um, the keeper of the keys for the, the document itself. Um, not everyone agrees with that stance, but <laughs> that's a hill I'll die on. Um, but I think also one of the failure points is just you know, like there's so many people involved in this. And if someone isn't pulling their weight, um, you need to have someone that can rally them uh, gently. Um, so we talked about that kind of central coordinator, right? So if somebody is consistently failing to meet deadlines, like you, you have to have a schedule with a team like this. Um, you have to have, you know, everyone's going to provide this by this date and this by this date, right? Like you can't just kind of be like, send it whenever, um, so you have to have those milestones and people have to agree to meet them. And if somebody is consistently failing to meet those milestones, um, they're slowing everyone down and then everyone else is rushing at the end. So getting them on board or um, making the awkward decision to maybe gently remove them from the project if they are derailing the efforts of others. Um, I think that's that's something that people feel uncomfortable about, um, especially when you get kind of several months into the project, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the points you guys are both making about process because it is such an, a critical component when you have such complex projects that you're trying to build, deep teams, etc. Um, the failures I've seen more on, on the more substantive, right, the content or the, or the production side have really been uh, kind of ha- occur at all points in the, in, the, uh, in the effort. A lot of times we see PIs kind of underestimate the time they need and perhaps underestimate the size and complexity of the expertise that's needed to even begin to think deeply about the project, to really develop the core research questions in the case of, uh, of, of, of uh, this, you know, a research study versus the programmatic theory and grounding in a programmatic effort. Um, so that's an early indication of, or early risk factor. Then as, we, as uh, faculty, as teams move along, sometimes you see, like Katie's mentioning, the lack of, of timely and substantive ingest so that the work coming in to inform the initial development of the project as well as the proposal isn't sufficient really to move the project and proposal in a way. And sometimes the PI needs to get uh, pretty, uh, you know, lay down some, 
serious feet on this one and make sure that that information is coming in in a timely basis so that you can iterate, right? We all know grants, any proposal, manuscript, uh, writing is a process of rewriting. And so project design and proposal development are certainly iterative contexts. And it's critically important that the leadership and the individual contributors, uh, you know, work lockstep to get the level of work, the level of early drafts, the level of thought laid out so that you can continue to improve on that. And I would say that's really one of the biggest challenges on the content production side and project and proposal design sides that where things can go awry. And it's very difficult to to catch back up. So it's really on the leadership of these large center proposals to make sure that doesn't happen uh, for their own benefit and for the benefit of the team and the proposal. Yeah, absolutely. And center proposals are fun. I don't want to, uh, you know, they can be the kind of fun that uh, you're pulling your hair out. But then afterwards, it's kind of like working out. <laughs> um, you don't want to do it. But then afterwards, you're, you know, you feel good that that you did. Um, but, you know, I want to encourage anyone who has any questions about center proposals, uh, reach out to Hanover. We have a lot of experience working with all sorts of center proposals across different uh, federal agencies. Um, so we definitely have some tips and thoughts to share. I want to thank both Katie and Tom for joining me today. Welcome back, guys. I'm glad that we're doing this. Um, and that the podcast is back uh, after our little vacation hiatus. Um, hope you guys can both join me again very soon. Looking forward to it. Anytime, Mallory. Good to see you, Katie. Great. Um, well, moving forward, um, I want to encourage uh, folks to uh, potentially uh, sign up for our webinar. We're having a webinar tomorrow that is open to everyone on uh, persuasive strategies in research writing. You can go to www.hanoverresearch.com backslash webinars to register for that. Even if you can't make it, go ahead and register and then you'll get a copy of that sent to you after the fact. Um, so sign up for that. Uh, if you have any questions about anything that we've covered today, you can always send it to me at podcast at hanoverresearch.com. If you are a client, I encourage you to uh, reach out to your uh, to your main contact here at Hanover uh, for additional resources that are available to you within the digital portal. Uh, we have lots of things pertaining to center proposals and then individual proposal work as well. Um, if you have any uh, topic ideas or things that you want us to cover here on the podcast, I welcome that as well. So send that to podcast at hanoverresearch.com. And again, thank you all for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you.